Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Saddlecast this season with myself, Glenn Price, and what I'm assuming is a pretty down-in-the-mouth Ollie Warner, Ollie, after another pretty terrible week supporting Shrewsbury Town. Yeah, um, <laughs> two more defeats, um, and it's not a surprise anymore, and um, we're just finding new ways to lose, mm. so I think that's what we're tuning in to watch now, isn't it? It's not what <laughs> how are we going to do, it's more how are we going to lose. Um, and interestingly, on loss, so um, I was away last week um, in Northumberland, and on the Friday, it just rained, like super heavy rain. Mm-hmm. So I was stuck inside and I thought, I've been meaning to have a look at points per game um, because it's a good way of comparing managers. Yep. So yeah, I did do an article on it. But in the process, I found a pretty horrendous stat. God. So in the season that we came third under Paul Hurst, we won 25 games. We've played 89 league games since Paul Hurst departed and we've yep. only won 23. Oh, so God. we've won less games in yeah, covering three and a bit obviously a weird season, but eighty nine games, which is nearly two, two full seasons, we've won less games than Paul Hurst did in that one season. Oh dear, well that that probably brings us to a question we'll have at the end of this when we cover the fact we've lost two more games and what the hell we do next. But you do see Paul Hurst's name mentioned around social media quite a lot at the moment again, Ollie, don't you? Yeah. So we're definitely going to have to cross the Paul Hurst bridge again at some point. But yeah, I mean that's the first stat of what are quite many eye-watering statistics and we brought a lot of bad statistics last thing last week didn't we like and you know it's just got worse there's, there's all sorts of things we've got to bring later on when we talk about having having lost the two games but yeah you're right we're finding new ways to lose and you know i'm gonna say it up front ollie before we get into this I'm, i hate the fact we keep losing like i've seen I, the one thing i will never agree with is that a lot of people will be saying things like oh i'm just waiting for us to lose another game now so ricketts goes and deep down as much as i think the club should move on and we mentioned this last week i'll never want us to lose and, and you know i paid my eye money money this week I, I paid 20 quid for fleetwood and peterborough games i still tuned in wanting us to win i still tuned in wanting us to turn this round because we don't want to be down the bottom of the league and, and that's the frustrating thing for both of us i guess isn't it is that yeah we seem to be coming to the end of this era but i wish it just wasn't quite so catastrophically bad because the the longer this goes on, the more damage it does, the more we've got to recover from it, haven't we? Yeah, it's, mm. yeah. that's why I describe it as football purgatory. We're kind of waiting for the inevitable thing to happen. Um, and as we said before, you know, I'm sure Sam Ricketts is not clearly not enjoying this. Um, I'm sure it's not good for his mental health and no. his well-being as well. Um, and yeah, he seems like a nice bloke, but he just doesn't seem to be able to create a, an effective team at Shrewsbury. Um, so yeah, while... You know, we never know. We could, he could theoretically turn it around, but it seems very unlikely at the moment. And and these two games are further evidence to suggest why that's the case. Yeah, I mean, these were pretty much the final nails in the coffin, really, weren't they? I suppose in some respects. But we will get to that now. And I think, yeah, let's let's move on and start to look at the the first game this week, which was Tuesday night at Fleetwood. Ex Fleetwood wing back Junior Brown's hopeful ball over the top fell to Jim O'Brien, who finished definitively to open the scoring. So, as I mentioned, first game this week was away at Peterborough. Um, lost 1-0. Chad Evans scored, Ollie, which, I, interestingly, that's the first time Chad Evans has ever scored for us in a league game. Um, it might be the first time he's ever scored against us at all, which is weird, because we've come across him quite a few times, yeah. haven't we? But, yeah, first time yeah, he's ever scored. Yeah, just makes sense about right. He always seems to draw a blank against mm. us. And another player that usually doesn't draw a blank against us was obviously Paddy Mannon, who started for Fleetwood, but he did not add to his eight goals. So, um, yeah, he scored eight goals against us now, which we always mention every season. But, um, yes, yeah, I think it's the most anyone's ever scored against us and I've, I've been going back through time Ollie I mentioned this last season but I've gone back even further than then and actually I found someone else who'd scored eight goals against us which was Gary Bennett who played for Wrexham in sort of uh, 90s and, and was a bit of a scourge of us so yeah he didn't he didn't get one ahead of Gary Bennett so maybe he'll do that later in the season but yeah team selection Ollie uh, you know that the magic hat was out <laughs> all the all the names were drawn out and where did where did they land this week 
Yeah, so we had Bergoyne in goal, um, still um, because of injury. Um, Fossey came back, so we had a, a right back back, so that was interesting. Lovely. Um, we had Williams, we had Ebanks, Landau, we had Daniels, we had Walker in the base. We had Vela and Norburn, and we had Pugh coming back um, for, a, for a, a new chapter at Shrewsbury Town. Mm-hmm. And then we had Barnett and Ado up front, um, so four changes to the lineup. Um, yeah, like you say, you've got no idea... Um, I must have just pure luck to pick the team right two weeks in a row at the start of the season because I do my little prediction partly because it's just a bit of fun and a bit of fan engagement um, with yeah all the guys that listen and follow the podcast. But yeah, you've got you've got no chance of I guess in the team. No, no chance. It's just, and it was you know another four changes in the next game, wasn't it? So it's very very difficult at the moment. And I think the the one thing to mention is obviously the one name that stands out on that team sheet was Pew because when we were sitting here last Sunday, Ollie Mark Pew was not even something we were considering being an option because he didn't sign for the club until halfway through the week, did he? So yeah, Ollie, I suppose the first place to start is what did you make of Shrewsbury Town signing Mark Pew again? Um, like good in terms of a bit of quality, but concerned about this um, Ratcliffe route of signing all players, um, especially as it goes against Sam Ricketts' philosophy before of having a small squad and also having a squad of, with adding value. That's long gone, um, mate. I'm sure, so I'm sure uh, Mark Pugh um, is not going to be on loads of money. He'll be on the same wage as everyone else. Um, so it's not going to cost us lots of money, but it's just a sticky plaster, isn't it? To, to you know, There's going to be more players who aren't playing because of it. Um, and then when he disappears potentially in January, we've got a hole to fill. So... Yeah, unless he unless he scores a load of goals and stuff, and he did get one assist this week, so that's a decent start. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably more concerned about Daniels really than Pew, but yeah, it was it's nice a bit of nostalgia. I really rate Pew. Um, I know you weren't as maybe as favourable as, as as me. No, you you remember him more fondly than I do, I think, and I think that his problems back in the day were partially of his own making and, and part and you know probably a majority of it was more on Paul Simpson just not rating him which is fair enough but he was a very classic league one winger when he was with us wasn't he, he was very hit and miss and have a few good games and and then wouldn't be great for like four or five games but was young at that point in time 21 22 yeah. so that was excusable he's now a seasoned veteran with you know almost 10 you know about 6 7 years of premiership football under his belt you'd expect him to be able to bring a little bit of something to the team but um, I have to say, during this game, he didn't look anywhere near at the level no. of fitness required, and he's not the only one, so we'll, we'll get to that. But an interesting signing, nonetheless. We, we don't sign yeah. too many ex-players quite often, do we? So, um, you know, he's, he's probably had these two games this week takes him, takes him up to about 50 appearances, which is nothing to be, um, you know, shake a stick at for this football club. So, interesting to have him back. It'd be interesting to see what he does in the 65 days he signed for us, and, and I suspect he'll be off then. Yeah, who knows? He might say stay, but we don't know. But, yeah, hopefully he can do something, because... Yeah, he's at the moment he's got one assist. If he can get to two assists, um, then that'll be better than most of the team. So it's positive. <laughs> if he gets two goals, that'll be better than most of the team, Ollie. So yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. You just find more harrowing stats, um, and sometimes you're not even meaning to look for them. But yeah, the stat is so far that we've got we've got six joint top goal scorers, which sounds fantastic and then, until you realise they've all got one goal. Um, and also, Burton Albion have scored twelve goals, and we scored six. Oh, don't. It's like when we were looking at the stats last season and Ivan Tony had scored more goals than the rest of our team and the early on in the season. Yeah. I think he's pretty much done the same thing again this year. He's which got is, nine out of nine so far. Which is embarrassing again, isn't it? But there we go. Um, and we're going to have to talk about this game, Ollie. You know, paid me tenner. Yeah. Felt shortchanged at the end of it, but I don't know. There wasn't much going on this game, was there, no, for a town, really? No. So, yeah, we always have to think about the agenda when we have two games. But um, Shrewsbury Town are helping us in this way um, because um, basically, yeah, we haven't got too much to talk about, so we'll go quite quickly. So, Basically, there's very little action um, before before the goal, which has happened on 25 minutes. Um, Pew had a blocked effort after Daniel's pass, which was quite good, um, but we didn't really offer much. 
um, and basically Fleetwood really dominating the game. So the mm. goal, really nice bit of build-up play from Fleetwood. Basically, there's an overlapping fullback on the left flank. He puts a cross into the box. Daniels' is time and space strokes at home, and I think it just kisses the post and goes in. Yeah. Um, a nice goal from a Fleetwood perspective. And from a Shrewsbury perspective, you'd question why we didn't stop the cross. And then when um, Ched Evans is in the box, their main striker, um, Daniels was quite far away from him. Did a bit of social distancing there uh, and put it in the back of the net. And mm. yeah, it's um, a bit of a, um, yeah, there's a bit of a, a pattern here, isn't there? Um, concede early and yeah, it didn't really hold up much hope for the rest of the half. No, and um, you know, one of the things we're going to mention this week is Sam Ricketts' constant reliance on individual errors costing us in games. For me, this goal was an individual error. This was a team error. No, this, this was, was not. This was a team yeah, error. Yeah, this, this was, was just poor defending and, and team players just not at the races. Fossey gets lost on the right-hand side. Daniels is sleeping and doesn't track his man in the box. The defenders are, are too static and, and Ebanks doesn't really do enough. Um, you know, we get a foot on it and it kind of deflects in, but it's just it's just not good enough. There's no no real fight and passion there to, to keep the goal out. And yeah, you know, we only let one goal in this game, but Christ, they had a few chances as the game went on. But in general, really bad defending. And, you know, it was a marker, really, for what was going to happen on Saturday because the more we go on with Sam Ricketts, the the, the leg he was standing on of getting a defence well-organised and solid and hard to break down has completely gone. You know, as much as he could get a five-at-the-back system working pretty well to stop the goals going in, clearly he hasn't been able to, to work out how to do that with four at the back. And this is another thing that's kind of hamstringing us, isn't it? Yeah, there's... There's lots of evidence suggesting now that <laughs> Sam Ricketts methods don't quite work mm. um, with this team and this bunch of players. Maybe it could work somewhere else, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not working with with the players that we have, um, and it's not working here. Um, yeah, even though we probably could say it's probably one of the best setups we've had in terms of fullbacks in fullback positions, yep. wingers playing as wingers, and midfielders playing in their more natural roles. Um, but yeah, it was they got into the box too easy. Um, I'd describe us in this game as quite soft. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so basically there was another chance for Fleetwood. Uh, Madden really should have scored. Mm. He had a shot from six-yard line, but Harry made a really good save. That was a good save. That was yep. it was nice to see. Yeah, I thought Fossey Daniels, as you mentioned for the first goal, were generally rubbish the whole game, to be honest with you. Way too easy to beat. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, Daniels and Pugh's legs looked like they'd gone already. Pugh obviously got a hook um, early doors in the, in the second half. But yeah, to me, the, the whole defence is soft. That's a really good word for it. It doesn't matter whether we play Ebanks there or Williams there or Pierre in that centre-back position. They all seem to be having collectively bad games. I'd say yeah. of the three of them, it's hard to pick who's been playing best. I know who's been playing worst, Pierre. And, and to be fair, no wonder he got dropped for this game because he's right gone off it. And considering he was our player of the season last year and we loved him, I do not know what's happened to Aaron Pierre. He's, he's gone, hasn't he? Yeah, he's not playing very well at the moment. Um, him, Williams, him, Williams playing right back doesn't work. No. Um, and Ebanks and the defenders, um, yeah, not looking very confident at the moment. None of the team looks very confident, to be honest. Um, and <laughs> talking of confidence, um, Norburn got caught oh, in possession um, and basically Chad Evans five wide. Um, and that kind of summed up our performance, really. Um, no no real options for Norburn. Um, got caught in possession um, and, yeah, they could have scored. So, you know, fair, fair to it. Um, yeah, you know, in the whole of this game, um, Sam Ricketts says that, you know, we had chances, we didn't. We had one. Um, we had, they had eight chances, eight genuine chances in this game. Um, and some of them were, yeah, kind of our own um, undoing in terms of giving them opportunities. And that was the first half. We're playing against the win, though, weren't we, Glenn? 
Oh, don't even get me started on that, Ollie. <laughs> Wait to hear what Ricochet said. I was just going back to that Norburn moment because it maybe it seems unfair to pick out Norburn in that one particular moment um, because you know, I think sometimes I'm pretty hard on Norburn um, because of the way he's been playing recently. But to me, that the reason we kind of put that in the agenda is it's a very it was a bit of a, a bellwether again for that performance in in the game. You know, Ollie Norburn is our captain. He is supposed to drive this team on. He's supposed to lead by example, and he just got caught too slow, not switched on, and not not up to the speed of the game. And you know that one moment was reflective of his whole performance. And, you know, you can look at Walker, you can look at Vela and you can look at Norburn in this game and none of them put in effective midfield performances. Walker may be the best of the lot just because he was sitting deeper and it's, it's harder to kind of mess that up, I think. But Norburn, for me, was not great. And I, I said this the last few weeks now, I do not know what Vela's bringing. He can be tidy with the ball, he can pass it around a bit here and there, but he never never seems that effective to me. So the midfield three just changes every week and I don't know. High looks the most impressive of everybody. High and Walker, maybe. They're the two that have yeah. maybe done the best this season in those midfield roles. I think there's a genuine trend and a strong argument to suggest that the the less experienced players are the yeah. ones who are performing the best. So Very you've true. got Ado, who's been doing all right, he's putting yep. a shift in. Scott High's been playing well. Um, when Fossey's plays, I think he's done all right. And um, Walker's done well. Barnett's done all right. And um, and Josh Daniels, when he's played, yeah, um, and I think yeah, he was very true. good on on Saturday, he's done well. So yeah, it's, I think it's about time the more experienced pros kind of put in a bit of a shift. But they're not yeah. leaders. Our leaders are not leaders at the moment. The, the experienced no. pros need to be getting a grip to this. And Ratcliffe season, same. Say we're going to yeah. re- keep referring to it. What were our leaders doing that season? Atkins, Wong, the Jepson. <laughs> you know, they were the worst. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's another interesting comparison. Ollie. It won't be the last time we mention that, I think. No. <laughs> but the second half, Glenn, we were wind assisted. Yes, we did have the win with us. And we still didn't score, Ollie. So what difference no. did it make, really? <laughs> no, we didn't. So there's a great save from Burgoyne. And oh, Madden yeah. was free. Cross into the box. And Fleetwood really should have scored that. And then Walker gives the ball away. And there's a shot on target from Fleetwood. And then we had a shot... So a deflected effort from Norburn. <laughs> Evie save for the goalkeeper for Lutweiler, um, who had nothing to do all game, really. Yep. Um, this was probably one of two moments he had. It was on target, um, Ollie. Yeah, you know, yeah, big, big moment in target. the game, that. Big moment, big moment for the fans. Christ. Um, yeah, Daniels dies in, gives the ball away, gives a foul. There's a free kick and Shrewsby crumble the ball away. Um, and then there was a good bit of effort, really. Basically, Fossey yeah, clears the ball off the goal line. That's another Evans shot. So, yeah, defenders having to work hard. Mm. Um, Were they? <laughs> yeah. There's an effort from goal, from distance from Norburn, and it just goes out for a corner. And then from this corner, um, Odo shots, um, has a save, hits the post. And if you're going to give any credit to the team and a bit unlucky for Sam Ricketts, we were unlucky not to score in that, in that attack. Yeah, it would have been a bit of a Wimbledon-esque kind of stealing yeah. of a point or three points, wouldn't it, to be honest with you, because they should have been home and hosed by then, but they kept missing their chances, or Harry made the good saves, and, you know, once it's once it's 1-0 away from home, you've still got a chance to nick something. Yeah. But, yeah, like has been happening a lot this season, how many chances in the last six weeks have we had shots cleared off the line, or have we hit a post or a bar, you know? That's not just unlucky. That's consistently bad finishing. I mean, it was a decent yeah. swivel and turn, but you know, he has at the end of the day hit the post. Um, but it, I don't know. I, I can't keep having it being unlucky all the time. I guess in the individual no. moments it is, but, but we have to be yeah. repeats. But that's why I wanted to repeat it. Yeah, yeah. you know, we have been very critical of the manager, and we'll continue to do so when we see performances and results like this. Mm. But I think we want to be fair, don't we? This was a bit of an unlucky moment, but you know, there's a lot of <laughs> terrible stats out there, um, and so far, um, Glenn, the worst stat I've seen. And today was which takes us seventeen shots to score a goal, um, where the the more successful teams in the division are around six. That's that's about three games worth of shots for us, though, at the moment, isn't it? it it's especially when that. we've had 
we've had four out of nine games where we've had one shot on target. Oh, we've scored two in a league game this season, yeah, have we as well? No. So it was still maintained an entire binary start to the but season in terms of goal thank scoring. God, we've got Harry at the back. Yes. Well, he almost what got sent off, thing? though, Ollie. What would have happened if he got sent off in this late moment? We've got no fit keepers, <laughs> suspended Harry Burgoyne. Gregory would have been playing. Walker would have to go and goal, I think, maybe. <laughs> so what, what did he do? Yeah, well, he had to, to be fair, because the defence were just sleeping, as usual, and they, they knocked a ball over the top, and he had to come massively out of his goal. Um, but he's quick off his line, Harry Burgoyne. He does do it quite a lot. And to be honest with you, he does it all right sometimes, but then other times, like Saturday, he completely messes it up. But we'll get to that. Um, but this time, yeah, he came out, did well, um, was, was sort of two players running on a goal, and he, he did a good tackle and cleared the ball away. But, you know, really, should, they should have got a second there, and they God, they, they should have battered us. It, honestly, looking at the, the game, and, and I do like to look with Shrewsbury Town specs on, Ollie, you do the same. You'd like to look at the best in our team and think oh well we could have nicked something there in reality we got battered in this game didn't we and we should have we should have lost 3-0 4-0 and you know if Fleetwood had drawn that game they'd have been just as gutted to Wimbledon because it was it was that it was that unbalanced really um yeah so yeah there we go I thought well, Fleetwood did, were quite good though yeah Fleetwood looked like a good side that you expect um they've got um Wes Brown who's such a good player yeah um Wes Burn, sorry, was such a good player. Paddy Madden, they've got some good players in their squad. Charlie Morgan's a good central defender yeah. at this level. Um, some solid players. Um, I did have a very interesting thing, Glenn, and we're going to keep the identity of the player secret. But oh, we right. did, I did put a tweet out where I said, I quoted Sam Ricketts. <laughs> and, I, and it's like, what Sam Ricketts said, then reality. And then I used Instat data and then experimental G, um, XG data. Um, but basically, I said that what Sam Ricketts is saying isn't necessarily true, and a player liked it. Now, we won't say who that player is, but that's quite interesting. <laughs> oh, no. Ollie, don't start stirring things up. But, I, I, you know, let's be honest. Let's take a step back here. We, we've been very critical about Ricketts, haven't we? You know, last week, you know, we both kind of went over that threshold and, and said what we felt about where, where the manager should be looking to, to move on. Um, but, you know, when it gets to a second week of losing two games back to back to me, I want to have a bit of criticism for the players and they certainly deserve it this week, particularly in yeah. the next game where I'm going to really struggle not to swear about some of the performances. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, a lot of the can is fall on rickets, but we really need to have a look at some of these players, Ollie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I suspect going back to what we were just talking about that tweet, whoever liked it, which we won't mention, clearly they know that performances are not good enough. And as professionals with some pride, you can understand that they must be thinking we need to turn this corner. Um, but he liked that tweet in the week. And I think that um, the response to that in the second game was probably not what he would have wanted. So yeah, interesting. But um, yeah, let's let's start to examine some of these performances because we're almost 10 yeah. games into the season. Yeah, no, definitely are. So, yeah, we'll do Ricketts comments. But we'll just do the top three before we kind of finish this game off. But I think it's fair to say, yeah, we got what we deserved and we didn't deserve yes. anything more. Um, so who is your top three, Ben? Um, for me, we've talked about him and, and maybe he was a bit unlucky at the end there to make that tackle and not get sent off. But Harry Burgoyne made a number of saves that kept us in the game, to be honest with you. Um, his kicking was probably a little bit better than some recent games. It went definitely went downhill on Saturday after that. But um, yeah, it was one of his better games this season. And, you know, it's one of those games that makes you think, fine, he can be a first team player. But um, he is still throwing in errors in other games that makes you makes you wonder whether when the other keepers get fit, whether we keep will, will keep that place. Maybe hasn't done enough over those games yet. But for me in this game, definitely man of the match. Um Second place I gave to Rashawn Williams, probably the most comfortable of the defenders, but um, made a couple of sort of decent blocks. But I'm really reaching there, Ollie, if I'm honest with you. And then for three, maybe I should have switched Williams in a doe round, actually, the more I think about this game. But a doe's pace and liveliness, particularly in the opening 20 minutes, was probably one of the highlights of our attacking performance. Um, obviously, he didn't go on to, to do anything else as the game went on. They all just drifted out of it, didn't they, really? But again, Williams in a doe, it, it, it's really a bit of a stretch because they didn't have fantastic games. Only really Burgoyne stood out. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it's worth saying, you know, we're, with the top threes, at times they've been the top three best players. At the moment, it's kind of the the, the worst, the best of the, the, I don't know how to put this, the worst, least worst players. There yeah, go. that's true. Got there in the end. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the the least worst players were Burgoyne, Williams and Ebanks for me. I thought Ebanks had a, a bit of a better half game in this one. Um, and, yeah, Williams and Ebanks had a lot of work to do. Um, yeah. So, what so did Ricketts. Sam Ricketts have to say? <laughs> so, um, I understand it's, it's tough. You, you lost again. You've got to kind of come out and face the media. Um, and, then, yeah, he does need, I think, a little bit of help. I don't know if he watches the post-match back, but he could do with some help, I think, because he's saying some things now which are just adding fuel to the flames. And because he said it was a yeah. game of two hours, the wind made it tricky. We didn't even, we didn't, we couldn't even make it a game of football and talked about the wind again. And it's it's not really helping, is it? Um, the fans when they're looking to their leader, the leader with their football club, and hoping that he's going to turn things around. And when he's saying things like that, and he said second half we were completely different, we were pressing, and, and we, you know we had that block chance. What? And it was a game of two halves, and we were worthy of a point, and we were on top in the second half. In the second half, they scored us called two or three goals, and it's just. And I understand mm. it's tough. You can't come out and just say. Yeah, you know what we would say. You know, in terms of you know we're totally rubbish and I don't know what I'm doing and what's going to happen. But at least try and stick to some kind of remnants of the truth. Yeah, I mean we're probably guilty as anyone of picking over these interviews in more detail than anyone else. I suspect because we always cover yeah. this in the podcast, and it's incredibly difficult for a manager when they're on a run like this of just losing and losing and losing to to say anything that anyone that doesn't already hate him as it's going on at the moment is going to just say well that's rubbish I'd like to see him accept a bit more responsibility for what's going on and I think particularly on the the fourth loss which we'll come to in a minute his 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 acknowledgement of his responsibility in the situation we found ourselves in is always somewhat lacking but then he's also very more often than not going to have a go at the players you know he did it after Wimbledon when we won but that's the only time recently it's happened um and as I said, since he moaned at the players after Wimbledon, we've lost four in a row. So maybe maybe he won't be doing that anytime soon. So it's difficult. I don't even know what you should say in these situations other than, I'm sorry, we're trying to work on it. We'll, we'll fix these problems. And I don't hear that at the moment. I kind of hear like we just dress yeah. ourselves, we dust ourselves down, we go again. It's very Melon-esque towards the end of the Melon era. Um, so they're interesting to go through to find out those little quotes that seem to be aggravating people the most and definitely the fact it was windy seemed to piss off people because it's always windy in Fleetwood it's always rainy in Fleetwood and we played long ball the whole this bloody game I mean what did he what did he expect from and that and we didn't even have Pierre as well who's, yeah. who's pretty decent at long long range passes God's sake so yeah, we, yeah it, it, it just feels like we are well we, in a sense we are picking on him um, but <laughs> But when you when you leave these kind of when you put these kind of comments out, it's 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 very easy for us to do that. So I don't know. I think in in, in his defence, I think he could really do a bit of help here. Yeah. Someone giving a bit of coaching, and that's not necessarily criticism of the of the lads. But if he was at a bigger team, you'd have you know a comms manager or something to kind of guide him and kind of comment and you know like you know maybe even review them afterwards. Maybe mm. that's something that could help. But yeah, it's not it's helping not- himself. He's not got media training like like that man we're going to mention again, Paul Hurst. You know his <laughs> interviews when we lost were were much more sort of salient things, and you yeah. know he wasn't. None of our managers recently have been massively vociferous in interviews and exciting to listen to, are they? But yeah, no. the, these the, you know Askey and Ricketts have been particularly dull in the last few years. Um, yeah. You think he's had like one or two interesting interviews, and that's been about it, really. But 
there we go. So we were going to dust ourselves down. Um, we're we're still cursed. We still have no luck. Um, Get your credit card out again, Glint. And it's, then it's ching. It's ten pound <laughs> to watch Shrewsbury Town play. Exactly. So yeah, we we finished that on Tuesday. Um, I suspected we'd sign some other oh, for over thirty three year old um, unattached player who's over the hill, but we didn't actually do that this week, Ollie. We no. uh, we went straight into the next game, which is um, Peterborough. So we'll look at that now. Yeah. Cummings. This is Aaron Pierre from distance. Finds the corner in the 89th minute. Is that the goal that sets up the tie with Liverpool in the fourth round? What a story this could be. So Peterborough United, and we always have a little bit of history with Peterborough, don't we? Through Ivan Tony and and um, Adrian Durham for Talk Sport, and we kind of did scupper their season a bit last year because if they. In theory, if we'd played that extra game in, in hand that they had and they'd beaten us, they would have been in the playoffs on points per game. Yep. So there's a little bit of history and we definitely wanted to beat Peterborough. There was a game for us to turn it around. And a lot of even fans were suggesting, weren't they? A lot of fans were suggesting we weren't even going to get something from this game. Um, but it wasn't to be. Um, and we had an absolute schlacking. And we had, <laughs> we've never lost a game like this under Sam Ricketts. Um, but yeah, for those who don't know, and I'm sure everyone does know, it was Peterborough United 5, Shrewsbury Town 1. Christ. Wow. So um, yeah, it was um, 2-1 at half time, and Clark Harris scored a pen. Dembele got three goals, one in the first half, two in the second half, and Taylor scored in the second half. Uh, but it could have been more. Um, we did score mm. a goal from open play. Hooray. Shocker. Um, and Josh Daniels um, kept a really good day, uh, for full Kind of, you know, he started the game yep. um, debut, um, but unfortunately, Josh Feather got sent off after forty-five <laughs> minutes, um, just at the end of the first half, which didn't oh, help. So, man. yeah. So, um, so yeah. I asked you a question, Glenn, but um, I'm sure you wanted to beat Posh. Um, so, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, was the, is this, so question for you, Glenn? Was this the worst start to the season ever? Yeah, we were talking, weren't we, on Saturday night, and you were asking me whether I thought it was the worst start of the season because obviously we we, we tracked this through the the, the Ricket season, uh, Ricket season, the ASCII season, where yeah. um, you know in two thousand eighteen nineteen after nine games, ASCII only had seven points, so it's, that was historically bad. Do you know what I mean? It was in the top sort of ten, fifteen worst starts of a of a football league season with ASCII, and I, and I, I I've said this last week. I kept doing these stats, thinking, God, be a long time until I'm looking at how bad this start is, and you know, kind of thinking about looking at this particular spreadsheet again. But no, it's not, Ollie. And um, it isn't the worst start to a season. The worst start to a season is in the very first Football League season, which is probably understandable, where we um, only picked up four points from the opening nine games and lost seven of those. So um, only four points. But we've only got two points better than that season. Um, and it is it is statistically the eighth worst start to a season from the 70 Football League seasons we've had now. So obviously we've picked up six points with a minus seven goal difference. So there's only been um, seven seasons where we picked up less points. I think there's been five that had Four, one that had five and one that had six. And you've um, changed the points, haven't you, to three? Yeah, I've changed it to, to make up a win and a yeah. lot a win for three points to take that into account. So yeah, just to just to say that as well, Ollie. Um and should just also add that this is obviously the worst start this millennium now, because it's worse than the, the Ricketts one. So yeah, it is historically bad now after nine games. Um most of the managers, when you look at that list, kind of did go relatively soon after that, other than sort of Fred Davis, who weirdly went on to win the league, which is just always yeah. a weird one when you look at that. Um, so he had the second worst start after nine games and, and went on to win the league. Can't see that happening this year, but you you know, you never know, Ollie. Um, so, yeah, I, I've gone through it now, and, and we did a bit of a, a terrible stats update last week, Ollie, but there are some things we do need to, to have a think about here. So, um, in terms of the League One seasons now, we're basically at the point where we've conceded the most amount of goals in the first nine games of all those League One seasons since 2012. And 
We've now reached the point where our goal difference is the worst of all those seasons after nine games, and we're only one goal away from conceding to having the worst defensive record as well. So we're almost the worst in all three of those aspects, scoring, conceding, and then the overall goal difference, which that, that says a lot about the start of the season so far, doesn't it, before I move on to the other stats? Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> harrowing. It is pretty harrowing, Ollie. It shocks you so much there, I think. Um, obviously, this under Ricketts was the equal worst defeat by goal margin. Um, so we obviously lost 4-0 to Rotherham, didn't we, at the start of last season in the League Cup. So um, obviously a 4-0, a 4-goal margin of loss to today as well. Um, this was actually the first time we conceded five in the league since Wigan at home in 2015-16. Um, and actually the first time we conceded five away from home since... Chesterfield under Mellon 7-1 so it was some very big parallels with that Chesterfield game on Saturday Ollie so I thought it was worth just um just mentioning that to be honest with you because yeah, it did have that jumping vibe jumping in as well just on the on the so going into this game we had one of the best defensive records in the league um so far yeah, yeah. going into this game um gone and that's been destroyed <laughs> yep, absolutely destroyed yeah mm. Um, and then should just say this is the fifth time we've conceded four goals or more under Ricketts, which I thought was interesting when we talk about how good his defence has been. We've we've let in four goals or more five times now under Ricketts. That never happened under Hurst, Mellon, Turner, Coyne, Askey or Jackson. The, the last time you go to a manager that had a record like that, you have to go back to Simpson, um, who did it six times. So, yeah, you know, you're going back a long time and starting to, you know, maybe, uh, you know, this game and other things are starting to make me think about our defensive solidity now, obviously. Um but yeah, it's it's the worst start to a league since 1998. Um, that's four defeats in a row, Ollie, which is which is absolutely terrible. And and one thing I thought was was worth mentioning is um, if we lose a fifth game against Burton in the league, that will be the worst run in League One since 2012-13, where I think it was under um, Simpson, where he lost like six in a row just before he got sacked. So we're, we're talking about you know the end of Simpson days with that comparison. Um, and yeah, in general, it's all pretty bad, Ollie. There's not a stat I can find anywhere to show me any positivity other than the fact one other team in this division has done worse than us. <laughs> yeah, and, if we're, and we're going against Bird Albion, who are having a bit of a torrid time at the moment. Yes. Um, and yeah, there's a um, a guy called Edward who's a who's a, like a, a lower league football journalist, who's a big Bird Albion fan, and he said, "Is it possible for two teams to lose a game?" Um, <laughs> Well, I wouldn't put it past us. We, we're finding no. ways to lose a game, but oh my god, I, let's not. I'm, we're going to have to talk about Burton pretty seriously at the end of yeah. this podcast because that they, there's not been many bigger games for a manager in the last few years. No. To be with you. Um, but there we go. So that's that's the end of my horrible stat update. It's all bad. Have a look on my Twitter if you want to see some more graphs and stuff. I'm showing it in a bit more detail because um, Sunday night now I've just put a load of stuff up. But yeah, none of none of it's good. Um, but then that isn't really that surprising, is it, Ollie? No, it's not at all. <laughs> it's not at all. So, team selection. So, we, yeah, we had Burgoyne in goal. Williams playing at right back, uh, which, which is Again? not, his better, not his best position. Um, Ebanks and Pierre. Pierre is back and Daniels are left back. So, Norburn was sitting this time with Vela and High. And then we had um, Josh Daniels starting his first game, Odo and Pugh. Um, so, yeah, what were your first thoughts when you saw this team? I didn't think Daniels and Pugh would probably have any more legs than the other on Tuesday night, considering it hardly had any of a rest. Um, when you say Daniels there, you've obviously got two now. So you yeah. need Charlie Daniels. Oh, yeah, I'll have to be definitive now, won't I? Yeah, Charlie Daniels. I was interested to see Josh Daniels starting, to be fair. You know, he's not someone we've seen too much of. Um, obviously, the performance was good. I was surprised to see Vela and Norburn both retain their places after how I discussed their performances at um, Fleetwood. Um, but I was glad to see High come back in. Still feel this is all getting a bit harsh on Walker, but maybe the last two games he hasn't done enough. And yeah, still not a massive fan of Williams at right back. Um, but considering everybody else is unfit or broken or never probably going to play, that Australian guy's never going to play for us, is he? He's going to go back to Australia without ever playing for us. I'm convinced of it, Ollie. 
Yeah, no, it was funny. <laughs> and, and funny you mentioned players. So, yeah, this is not my first podcast today, Glenn. Oh, yeah. It's not even my second. <laughs> You've been um, cheating on the salad cast, Ollie. <laughs> so, yeah, so I did a podcast with James um, from The Posh Report, which is quite a different approach. Um, if You know, he does a lot more data than I do. Uh, mm. So it was interesting doing that. And I thought it was worth mentioning that he pointed out three players that kind of caught his eye um, were, were Daniels and High and Norburn as well. But it's quite interesting is that someone else did note that High and Daniels, which links to our comments in the first game, um, that actually our less experienced players are yep. probably the ones that are catching the eye. So crazy. I thought that was interesting. Absolutely crazy, yeah. Um, so um, how did this game start, Glenn? I thought we started all right. A bit classic sell-up, a bit of possession. Um and, you know, not totally terrible. Um, no. But, yeah, first 10 minutes or so we started, all right, I thought Posh started quite slow. I, I have to say, I was really surprised with how poor Peter Posh... Ugh. I have to say, I was really surprised with how poor Peterborough were in this opening section. For a team doing well that went top at the end of the day and obviously went on to win 5-1, they looked disjointed and, and didn't yeah. really look like they had any fluidity to it. And to be fair to town, you know, let's look at the positives this week. They did take it to Peterborough in this opening section and they tried to exploit the fact that they weren't playing very well. And, and it did follow the traditional pattern. You know, when we have had good opening sections to game, we almost always miss a good chance and we always concede the first goal. It, it just happens time and time again. And that's what happened in the opening game. We played played pretty well we had a go we ran at them Ado was really good in that sort of opening spell as the sort of target man he held the ball up brilliantly Downies and Pugh looked a little bit live in the opening section even Vela got forward a bit um, but they just didn't do enough to get the ball over the line did they and that, and that once again became the, the, the issue as the game went on yeah yeah Posh have a bit of a habit of starting slowly apparently oh okay um, interesting and yeah, and it's something that they, but which is not really too much of a problem because they're top of the league. No, um, but yeah, they did start fast. quite slowly. And and um, and James is very complimentary about how we set up. He said that we really targeted their weak areas. Um, so even though when we do set ourselves up, and there are times when we see good tactical decisions from Sam Ricketts, and we just don't have the application to to kind of to do it. Um, so yeah, we started okay, uh, but unfortunately, we decided to shoot ourselves in the foot. So 16 minutes in, a ball over the top, which is a bit of a trend, uh, ball over the top, and Ebanks just stopped running, which was really odd because then you had Ebanks kind of didn't do anything. He could have easily have just swiped the ball out for a throw-in. Burgoyne came out. You could argue he shouldn't have really have done that. And then Burgoyne had to try and react to a situation he didn't expect to happen um, where Ebanks just stopped. The ball was the pitch was quite boggy, wasn't it, and quite slow. Yes. So the ball did slow down, and then Burgoyne kind of fouled um, Dembele. He went down, um, and I think you wouldn't argue it was a penalty, Glenn. Yeah, definitely a penalty. Yeah, massive error by, by Pierre by Ebanks in the first instance, and compounded really by a bit of poor decision making for Burgoyne, who'd been left hung out to dry. And to be fair to poor Burgoyne, he got left hung out to dry in this game so many times that he was going to make mistakes. You know, the amount of, amount of times he was left with one on ones and difficult situations by static defending, it was it was not great. And you know, Ebanks stopped running. I, I I couldn't. You know, we're going to have to go through these goals, but Ebanks and Pierre were like statues on Saturday. And considering how good they've been over the last year or so, I. It was a really, really, really shocking performance by both of them, wasn't it? And something yeah. that's completely out of character in some respects. And it's it's so hard to tell why that's happening. I, I have a, suspe- a suspicion I know why, Ollie, is that they, they people have noticed that maybe they're 
tiring or all these three games in a week is maybe hitting those two more than anything because the ball over the top is the killer ball against Shrewsbury Town at the moment because if you get them too turned they're slow to turn and then they've got to get going and if you're a pacey striker or you've got anything about you you can get goal side of them really easily and it's it's a tactic that people are starting to pick up on and, and is, is a concern and is probably the reason why Williams is starting the games more often than not a centre-back um, because at least he's got a bit of legs. Yeah, it's, it's a, certainly a target, isn't it? To put the ball in between the fullback and the defender uh, and place on the counter attack and on the on the hot. Mm. It's something that Rochdale did. It's what Bristol Rovers did. And yeah, just thinking back about those two games, the te- the the opposition played the exact same tactic. Yep. And Posh did it a bit here as well. You know, let us have possession and hit us on the counter with their with their pacey forwards. Too easy. Um, and it worked a treat here. Decent penalty from 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 their striker, from Clark Harris. Um, and yeah, he tucked it away. Nice goal. Um, but in our defence and the defence of the players, it didn't take us too long to come back. So 18 minutes in, Ado does really well to win the ball. He comes to Vela, he passes to Pew. Delightful cross into the box. Yes. And um, you know we heard um, from we heard um, from um, from fans of Josh Daniels' former club. I can't remember the name of the club. Apologise. Um, <laughs> and he said that he has a really good leap, and we saw that. And it was a superb header. Really nice goal that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. He doesn't look like the sort of player that's going to be brilliant aerially, does he? He's not the, the biggest lad, but really no. good. And the way he craned his head and he, he steered it perfectly into the side of the goal. Um, a really good goal. Like you say, the first one from open play this season, that was exciting. It was genuinely quite an exciting moment. One of the more exciting moments in the league this season to see yeah. us score a goal like that. And he, in general, looked really good, didn't he? He, was, he wasn't afraid to get at players. He had good close control and, and was actually genuine, genuinely exciting in that opening period, probably up to half-time. He, like everybody, the, the second half was a disaster. But, you know, know genuine signs there that would make me think that if we're going to play that tactic of one big lad up front and and the guys off them that Daniels and Wally and Barnett are the ones we should be looking at not Cummins and and the strikers who are out of position unfortunate for a doe there but they look like more likely in that position maybe even pulling a little bit wider and making it you know a, a bit more easy to kind of break teams down to me that looks like the option going forward Ollie yeah and we saw Pew's quality um and yep. you know he a credit, well, sorry, credits yeah, you genuine um, winger yeah, genuine winker, a good left foot. He can go on either side as well, which makes it harder to defend against. Um, he's not going to have blistering pace like he used to have when he was for us, when he was back in back in the old days. But um, yeah, really good cross, really good goal. Um, so that was, what was that? That was 18 minutes into the half. Yeah, and we probably did deserved. some right stuff after that. Yeah, probably deserved, I'd say. Well, you know, we're yeah, probably definitely. the better team in possession um, and posture a bit, a bit sloppy going forward. Uh, but there was always that threat. So Dembele had a shot in the box when it went over. Um, but then, unfortunately, um, we thought it was going too well. So, forty-two minutes in, a ball over the top um, again. Yeah, really. <laughs> so, Town kind of get back into space, back into place. Sorry, and defend. Um, but Dembele just does e-banks. He just goes past him, gets into the centre of the box, really easy um, shoots, and it's two. It's two one. Um, not very good defending, really. Individual error, yes, you'd say, but it's just poor, poor, really well. disappointing. That Dembele must have beaten every one of our players across the course of the game. He just was just beating them for fun as the game yeah. went on, particularly the, the midfielders and the defenders, obviously. Maybe didn't beat Ado at any point. But uh, it, it just poor defending. Like I'm going to say this again, but yeah, Ebanks, this is where I put this sort of picture up of statuesque defending because that's what it looked like here. It was so easy for someone with a bit of pace and trickery just to go around our players. Uh, I wasn't overly impressed with Williams during this goal as well, his, sort of his positioning at times because it came from that side. Um, not a lot to like about this at all. Um, but let's give credit where credit's due, and we'll probably mention it as we go through and he scores a hat-trick. Dembele is a flipping hell of a player. Um, yeah, he's championship one, level he, at least, isn't he? Yeah, 
maybe one of the most exciting players I've seen play against Town for quite a while. And clearly, I'm going to say that because he scored a hat-trick. But it wasn't just that. He got kicked. Let's be honest, we kicked lumps out of him. It was pretty agricultural the way we tried to defend against him. And maybe I couldn't. I didn't think there was a, a mission to just go and hurt him. I just think it was because he was so good. And our players are so off the pace at the moment. They just were slow getting to him every time. And all he would do is just dust himself down, pick himself up and be like, right, I'll just score a goal. That's how I'm going to show you for fouling me all the time. And that's the sort of thing that good players do, I think. And yeah, fair play to him. He, he was good. But... You know, even we made that, him good as well, though. Yeah, and I think um, yes, that's true. We made them good. We 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 allowed them. Th- we had the space and time, um, allowed them to pick us apart. Um, mm. And they say definitely say they're effective and efficient going forward. That's probably their main strength, I'd say. Um, this, and then, this is where I've run out of things to say positive about this game, Ollie. Because essentially, yeah. as much as everyone can say, oh, we played quite well in this opening period. You know, they scored on. I'm trying to figure out what minute it was now when they scored. I'll just go quickly scroll back up. Um, but yeah, he scored the first on 42 minutes. From 42 minutes, we basically pressed the biggest self-destruct button you can possibly press in a game of football. And you know, we'll talk about the red card in a minute. But you know, even without the red card. Once they've gone 2-1 up, I suspect we probably just would have folded in ourselves again because it's just such a massive knock to take where we'd played okay for 42 minutes and still conceded two goals and we're still behind in a game. It's mentally got to be hard for the team to take. We haven't scored more than one goal in the league game this (laughs) year. Um, three three games we haven't even scored, and, and of those games we've only scored one. So yep. yeah, it's, we're going to score two games at some point again in the future, I'd hope. Um, but yeah, it's unlikely to happen against, against Peterborough. Um, oh no, I, I'm willing to bet that at some point in the future, Shrewsbury Town will score more than one goal in a league game. I'm sure it will happen this month. <laughs> Maybe this month. I'm not sure, but maybe Fingers Tuesday crossed. night. But oh, um, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so, then what happened, Ollie? Bella just decided to take out Dembele. Yep, he did. Moronic, stupid. um, You know, it's the kind of thing you'd expect from a young kid. Like, actually, Dembele apparently um, did get sent off within two minutes of coming off as a sub. Um, But he's only a kid, and you can kind of excuse that for a kid. But Mm. Josh Bella's not a kid. No. Um, And yes, you make mistakes, but um, yeah. So there's there's a trend here. So Josh Feller gets sent off and the country goes into a lockdown. Um, so here we are again. Josh Feller gets sent off. Um, it was in the middle of the park. He didn't even stop like a goal-scoring opportunity or something, did he? It was just no. reckless, stupid. It potentially could have injured the player. Um, and, yeah, it didn't help us at all. It, it felt to me like the sort of challenge from a bloke that was sick of a guy just beating him every time and wanting to leave something on him in the middle of the park where he thought, well, I probably won't get sent off here because it's not a you know particularly worrying thing. But it looked a bit vicious. It looked nasty as hell from the replays and the, and the live action. And it deservedly a red card. You know, there's absolutely no justification for that. And I was so angry with Vela. I mean, I hate these sort of red cards. I don't mind someone getting sent off like you know for a couple of yellow cards across the course of a game or even if it's a really badly timed tackle but someone's genuinely making an attempt for the ball you know all right he was clearly going for the ball but it was it it just looked a bit vicious i suppose but it's in this situation it was a lovely moment norburn was right next to him um high wasn't that far away it was in their half it's just unnecessary. And, you know, it, it, these sort of red cards always niggle me more as well because of the situation we're in. This is a game that we really needed something from. And, and at that point in time, still had a chance of salvaging at least maybe a point out of it. 
And, you know, we're, we're struggling in the league, we're going down the table, and you want your experienced players to step up and show some leadership. And he did the opposite. And I was really, really angry with him. I'm, I'm trying not to swear, Ollie, because I went mad last week with a bit of swearing. But he, he, I was so peed off with the the attitude from what he showed there. And, you know, everyone sort of had a little bit of a push and shove. But he, he just looked like his brain had gone. He wasn't thinking about the match experience. He wasn't thinking about the game. He was purely thinking about Vela. He was thinking about himself. And that selfish attitude won't wash with me. And I... I I've been pretty critical of him the last few weeks. I don't think he's all that, what some fans think. And frankly, three games out of the team I might actually help us, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Give, give, give Walker Jog or Zambiak a chance in the, time, in the team. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. Walker, maybe. I'm not sure about Zambiak yet, but maybe yeah, this but, is his oh, chance. Zambiak's Zambi- yeah. clearly a player of quality. We haven't seen the best from him yet. Um, any of but, them, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. No, so but, he's gone, and that's it. Game over yeah. then, Ollie. There was zero chance yeah. of us getting out of it. No, so yeah, half time aside to make some um, cheese and toast, which is probably the highlight of the game for me. <laughs> um, At least you weren't drinking this week, Ollie. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I, I didn't drink. Oh yeah, it was, we were drinking the evening. It's okay, but I can't. Yeah, I can't bring myself to drink in the afternoon. Um, for right. It'll games. send you to it eventually, I reckon. Yeah. So, um, so here's here's a novel idea, Glenn. Oh yeah. Opposition are down to ten men. Mm. We're playing three defense central defenders. Let's go to four at the back. No. Revolutionary to, tactics from Darren Ferguson here. You have, takes you have us to take a striker to, off. Yeah, <laughs> takes us on. back to um, Bolton um, last year when he ended um, Faye's career by bringing him on for extra time. Oh, and we yeah, played three in the back for the whole game and failed to score. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, revolutionary tactics from um, Darren Ferguson here. Um, and again, Posh didn't start very well, did they? They were quite slow, but they still created chances. So, yeah, they're clear to be a very well-organised and well-structured team. Um, they do probably the similar kind of training that we do in terms of set-play attacks, but they actually score goals. So Dembele did a cross um, to um, to um, Shmodek, and he fired over. How he didn't score that chance, Unreal. knows. He'll, he'll be, he would have been thinking about that opportunity when he went to bed last night. Yeah, again, Pierre and Ebanks, awful on that one, you know, just yeah. miles away from who they were marking. And they, they, the, the, the longer this half went on, the, the more there was downing of tools, I felt like. And, you know, I'm going to get to that as we get on to maybe the, the fourth and fifth goals. But there was certainly an argument for me of, of players giving up a little bit in this game. And I really didn't like to see that. And yeah. I'm going to probably swear yeah. at that point. But we'll get to that, Ollie. Yeah. So Daniels keeps trying. <sighs> so actually, it's worth just mentioning. So we, we brought on um, Cummings for Pew. Uh-huh. Which is not too bad an idea, you know. You go four three two. Well, sometimes we even play four two one two with Daniels pushing on. So yeah, that's fair enough. I would say maybe that's fair enough if you're a team that is, you know, doing really well and is you know kind of competing. If you're like a I don't know a Liverpool or a Chelsea and you're having a great season, you know, um, under Conte you could expect him to doing that. Or even if you're you know Peterborough or Sunderland or Charlton this year where you're playing against a team in a relegation zone, but we're not. Routine that struggles to score. So while I admire his ambition, we're yep. already two one down at this point, um, and I think it's fair to say that the tactics that Sam Ricketts chose contributed to our to conceding five goals here. So, yeah. I agree. I would also look at that sub in a different way. In that it was a shame because it took a doe out of the game. As soon as a doe went out of that, you know, role he was playing and the, the way they went there, he was rubbish second half. I thought. Oh, do you? I thought that him. Yeah, and he wasn't as great as he. I thought yeah. him and Cummings offered something, and and it's interesting you say that because James from the Posh Report thought that Ado was quite effective at holding the ball up and was a threat. No, he was. Re- I honestly think Ado was the best player in the first half. I do think he drifted out of it as the game went on, um, but that's understandable. We had ten men and we were back. But to I the thought, wall. yeah, I thought some of his hold up play in the second half. He kind of went on to their weaker, their weaker centre centre back and won some balls. Um, and we also did see some some well, how Cummings can perform in front two as well. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I just I, he was playing so well in that central position in the first half. I honestly thought it was a, a bit of a revelation. And yeah, I think I need to see more of them as a two like that. I think it would be something I'd like to see going forward. But um, yeah, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on how he drifted out of the game. But I, I, I would agree with what you put on Twitter actually on the game is that the, the, the Doe and, and Cummins did actually occupy those centre backs. And to yeah. be honest with you, they weren't great their centre backs. To be honest, to be honest, mm. and we we might have snatched a couple of goals that went on. But um, at the end of the day, they, they were always going to be comfortable, weren't they? So yeah, maybe maybe a bit harsh. But I just thought he was really good in that central position and. And he's, yeah. he has shown it in a few games that Ado can play that one up, and he has got good close control, and he does hold it up well. But yeah. um, I still don't feel like he's going to score that many goals, Ollie. And he's played like we don't give him quite chances, a lot of goals though, do we? Now. We don't no. give well, him chances. Yeah. He's not missing chances. And we've had this before. We've had people talking over the years. You know, oh, such and such striker isn't scoring. Yeah, but you can only really criticise a striker. Okay, if he's not getting in the box, you can criticise that. But if he's not missing chances. Um, and he doesn't really have many chances, so I do feel sorry for him. It's a bit of a thankless task. Um, yeah, I'm, but... just, I'm just looking at his record now because, like, I, I'm not. I don't want to be too harsh on him because I hope, I hope it comes through for him. But like, uh, he's played. He's now played 42 games for Shrewsbury Town, Danado. Um, 22 but, but, but a lot of them are subs, though, weren't they? 22 starts, 20 yeah. is a sub, but he's, he's only scored four goals in all competitions. But um, then he doesn't start many games in a row, does he? So. No, but he is a striker, and you know that. And he's been I, playing on the wing sometimes as well. So. Yeah, he has. He's been shunted all around, and he's not the only one with a terrible goal-scoring record for Shrewsbury Town. You know, look at Cummins' record has gone right off now. To be honest with you, and, we don't and, like goal scorers, Glenn. It's just none. He's got ten in forty-one Cummins. I mean, that's not great, is it? And he's no. he started twenty-six games, fifteen as a sub. I mean, if I look at the other strikers, they've barely got a goal between them because they've hardly been here. But you know, that's that's Cummins and Ado who've been here almost fifty games, both of them, and they haven't got twenty goals between them. It's there's no output, is there? And, no. and that's not necessarily all their fault, but you know no, they're, they're, not. it is not great <laughs> no and talking of not great Glenn I think this could be one of the worst goals we conceded in the time of us doing the podcast <laughs> I'll this let you talk for this because I feel like you're going to address it with relish yeah so sh- well, oh it's not relish Glenn but it's yeah you've, <laughs> if you're going to get passionate about something you might as well yeah you need to try and find get angry something. Ollie so, I don't blame you get angry. so this is shambolic defending so ball over the top one by town that's great but the gaps in between the defenders and midfield are huge now. So you've got the back four is not a straight line. You've got one. You've got Pierre really deep. You've got Daniels pushed up, but that's his instruction, I think, to try and push on. You've got the central midfielders are miles away. So, but then Ebanks gives the ball away. A really long pass against the ground that he tries, and basically good good position from Peterborough, and they get the ball, and they attack. And they basically pass the ball to Ward, who's on the right flank, and he's running in between the central, our central defender and our left back. Yep. But Pierre turns and he doesn't run. I'm sorry, but he just doesn't Pathetic. run. Yep. It's really poor. So I've watched this back quite a bit, and he, the, as the frame goes on, Pierre gets further and further and further away. And if he'd put, I reckon he's, you know, he's not a slow player. If he'd put his afterburners on, I reckon he could have stopped the cross, he but he doesn't. Him. So a simple pass across the box. Um, and then, yeah, simple goal, um, a really, a really simple goal um, for Peterborough to score. And it's definitely one of the worst goals we've conceded for a while. Uh, it's interesting because I, I think when we get to the fifth, that's one of the worst goals I think we've conceded for a while as well. So we'll get to that in a minute. But it was terrible. And, you know, the the, the attitude was poor. I think when you look at the third goal, 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 goal going, um, if you get a chance to see the, the highlights, look at the heads go down, look at the reaction. There's, there's no, like angry action there's no g in of players up it's just heads down it's an acceptance that this is just going to keep happening and we have to just live with it and um and it's not good it's not good to see and it got worse as the fourth and fifth goals yeah. went in but at this point in time from the third goal onwards this was awful absolutely awful from Shrewsbury Town like no one 
no one deserves any credit for the end of this game, no. and they actually deserve some serious rollickins, to be honest. Yeah, but it's yeah, uh, it's the, yeah. The, the other goal was poor as well. So basically, <laughs> ball over the top from Williams. He's out of position. He he's not a natural um, fullback. He's in the wrong position, so he's out of place. Ball over the top. Um, and this is where, for me, the tactics were. It's clear what Peter were doing. They get the ball, they either do ball over the top or they use the space. There was so much space on either flanks, either behind Daniels or in front of Williams. He had no protection whatsoever, and Daniels was, okay. and Williams is really narrow because he's not a fullback. So I really feel sorry for Williams, basically, because he just had their winger and their fullback after him completely. Mm. So he's trying his best, me, Williams, in an unusual position. Yeah. I do give him some credit for that, but it is an unusual but position. Why he's, did he he change played... it? No, exactly. Why did you, exactly. Why you should have, for this point, you should have gone, right, okay, let's hey. take a doe off, let's bring on a winger, bring on Tracy and tell him, go and sit in front of Williams, go and help your mate out, go 4 4 1. We're losing three one here. We're never gonna score. We're, and we're gonna and let's just stop a, a stop a horrendous thrashing, which is gonna damage our confidence even more. And I'm sure, Glenn, you would have accepted that, wouldn't you? If we'd have had a gritty twenty minutes of the game and to see the game out, you probably would have not. You would have been happy, but you at least would have accepted it, and it would have made yeah. sense. And a four one, a four one, you definitely would because it was clear yeah. they were just going to keep battering us. No, no, but he didn't. So I don't know what the hell you know. Yeah. It's easy to criticise him tactically. We were just going to get battered wherever happened. To be honest with you, he could have changed the tactics around, and I still think they would have picked us apart because defensively we're just horrendous at the moment. And <laughs> unfortunately, that's that's the way it goes. But this and is the um, first time we've conceded a lot of goals in a game. But, yeah. but at the same time, though, but a lot of that was attitude, been, Ollie. No, but there's been games where we could have conceded more than we did. So yes, Fleetwood, for example, we could have lost that game four 0 Easily yep. could have lost that game four yeah. 0 but yeah. we didn't. We got we only lost one 0 But at this point in time, you know, we're talking about a forty-five minute period here, where you know, you've you've got to look at the Banks and Pierre. And we've mentioned them a lot and given them a, a fair bit of criticism here because they were just static. You say Williams out of position, fine. We've not mentioned Daniels in this whole game, Charlie Daniels. He was woefully bad. He's um, been for, involved for... <laughs> in in too many goals we conceded. Damn right, um, yeah. Whether it's Fleetwood or or the, or in this game here, he he doesn't seem up to space. And this is the risk you have when you bring in um, players who are a bit older. Um, do, uh, do they have the heart? The, not, I wouldn't say necessarily heart, but do they have Does the physical care about attributes? I don't think. Do you know he, I, mean? I think you're talking about emotional things, Glenn. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's really I'm emotional fair. tonight. Ollie. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it's for me. It's about physical attributes. So you know, I remember mm. hearing an attribute from our man Paul Hurst, where he said Ben Godfrey was not tall enough to play central defence in League One. That's a fair opinion potentially, because yeah. you know, because a lot of long balls. But League One is a is a battle. It's work rate. It's fighting. It's yep. pressing. It's you need a bit of pace, and you need a bit of you need to be able to close down. And I'm just not sure that Daniels is is the best player in our team for a defence because, yeah, he, he doesn't close down quick enough. No. That's why I use the, the word heart. Maybe you're thinking, I'm thinking about, you're thinking about me saying it in a different context, but you say it's a battle. You've got a battle. You know, that's a bit what I mean about heart. Have you got the heart to want to do that battle? Have you got but I the think, heart don't to want to do... the physical attributes to now do nope. that at 34 and coming back from serious injuries. Yeah. So he yeah. might want to do it, but he doesn't seem to be able to do it. But for a player coming in with this pedigree that we're supposed to be excited about and could be a game changer, these two performances have really made me think he's got nothing really. Oh, that's really exciting me. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's that's damn right. Since Scott Goldborn went out of the team, we have gone massively backwards, haven't we? Let's be honest about it. Um, we didn't we didn't start brilliantly, but he was he was our best player at the start of the season. And, and that's mad because a few you know start of last season we were saying <laughs> he's not he's not all that. But no, well, come no. back, Scott. We need you, mate. 
And so, yeah, they're just talking about the defence there. And I want to go through the, the players one by one, really. I mean, you give Daniels credit, uh, like we've just talked about, and a doe for his running. Cummins was on, he was doing a bit better. But for me, again, High was trying to get involved, but probably was nowhere near nowhere near it second half. And understandably so, because, you know, he's a young player trying to learn he's his game. He's a basketball game for Central Field. Exactly. But the Norburn and Vela, across the, the whole of the, the point... Sorry, Norburn particularly, even after Vela went off, again... For me, difficult situation, getting overrun in midfield, but just didn't influence the game at all. So a lot a lot of players here that deserve a, a fair bit of a, a, a beating for me. I but, don't know, the interest you mentioned, Norbert. I wasn't convinced again. I thought Ollie. he had an all right game. Nah, no, he did. I think it. he did. You think he did, because when I watched the goals back, and I didn't think this at the time, so I changed my top three from what I'd said last night. Um, and this is why we always do the podcast on the Sunday after we've watched the bit of the game back. You have. <laughs> when you actually watch the game, the goals we conceded, Norburn's probably trying the hardest. In terms of the third goal, he makes up the most ground out of any player to get back. Um, and he tries. Yeah, to I don't doubt his heart, Ollie. Yeah, I think so, so I think I think so. I think yeah. Did he have a stellar performance? No, he didn't. But did he try? I genuinely think he's really tried in this game. And we've been quite critical. I've been quite critical of Ollie Norburn in recent games. But for me, mm. I think this was one of his better games. Um, and he certainly didn't stop trying. Maybe I wouldn't say he didn't stop trying, but I think there were just so many moments where his, his quality was lacking was being, again. Into, yeah, yeah. But he and, was being—he was being diverted. He, the ball—he wasn't—he couldn't influence the game that much because everything was going down the flanks or over the no. top. Maybe, maybe I'm being too harsh. I've just, I've just got a massive down on our midfield at the moment. Yeah. I really think it's where we're lacking. And, and you know, you, sometimes you can have a good defensive performance, and the strikers will put a bit of energy into it. But then the midfield seems to be missing more often than not, and you can't, you don't have a joined up performance with that. You know, you need that whole three units yeah. working in tandem, and, and it just doesn't happen at the moment. But yeah. maybe, maybe I'll, I'll accept that one, Ollie. I'm, I'm not always right. It did surprise sure. me, to be honest. <laughs> it did, it did, it did like spark my interest. Um, I was watching the highlights. Yeah. Back. I'd have said probably said the same as you, but. Watching it back, I did see something a bit different, which is well. He, he didn't pee me off as much as Vela, so let's leave it at yeah. that. Um, but yeah, and then they should have scored another one then to go five one up. They missed they a really did, good chance, yeah. didn't they? Um, and then you you talked about this being one of the worst goals that that third goal, one of the worst goals we covered in the history of supporting town, which is a pretty good offer um, considering we saw you know a whole season of Luke Waterfall playing football, Ollie, which maybe you've just erased from your memory, which is fair <laughs> enough because we all wanted to. But for me, the fifth goal was a really really interesting one, and and was very for me symbolic of where we're at as a team now because the guy just sort of comes has has a has a run in on sort of goal on the edge of the box has an air shot basically falls over kind of dresses himself back <laughs> up and then shoots from long range and it goes straight in and no one not a single person puts any pressure on him and to me that was where it was at they at 4-1 they totally gave up there was no fight for their manager there was no passion for their manager they they weren't playing for him at that point in time they'd given up they wanted to go home and and it was a and it was a embarrassing um, performance for for my football club and and to let that fifth goal in like that with no pressure to me that's a symptomatic of a very very bad goal yeah. to concede because it doesn't show a lack of ability or getting pulled apart by a better player it shows a, it shows a simple lack of effort to do the basics to make your football team not concede a goal and the defence all needed a, a, sh- a shelling for that and the midfield well it's not just defence in the midfield as yeah. well yeah well everyone yeah exactly. And it's interesting and it you mentioned this, and I was, hold, I was holding back until now, which and it's all kind of come together quite nicely. There was kind of two things, wasn't there, that kind of was always the bedrock of anyone's foundation that was arguing for Sam Ricketts to stay. So there's two things that Sam Ricketts um, kind of supporters always say is that, you know, we don't get thrashed very often and we work really hard. And and secondly, is that, you know, we have that defensive solidity and we're really strong. But in these two games, those two elements went. So we weren't defensively well organised and we didn't work hard. 
Ollie, we haven't been defensively well organised all season. Let's be honest about it. No. He's completely right to point out in this game, but the defensive solidity with four at the back has completely gone, and Ricketts can't say it hasn't. Um, as I say, we've conceded more goals at this point of the season than uh, every season in League One other than one. There's there's no argument to say defensively we're not very good at the moment, and you know maybe midfield are not doing enough to help them cover it. There's, there's individual mistakes. There's a lot of things to factor it up to, but yeah, we're, we're just not a good defence at the moment, and when you combine that with what is the worst attack in the whole division... Are you surprised we're losing at the moment? No, not really. So, yeah, there no. we go. No, so, yeah. Banging me in against the table, Ollie. Yeah, and uh, and so, yeah, for me, that's, that yeah kind of sums up that, that game, really. <laughs> mostly, well, I think we should do the top I can think of some more appropriate appropriate words to sum that game up, Ollie, but, but we'll, we'll be a bit nicer this week. Yeah. Um, I do like the fact in our agenda now, you've got League One attacking effectiveness. 1st of November, which is today, 2020. Um, and it's all of the teams with their little little symbols on. I think it's from Experimental 361, isn't yeah, it? Which is the then, XG yeah. guys. And whereabouts is Shrewsbury Town in the attacking effectiveness column? We are way out on our own. <laughs> way out on our own. I mean, so, so there's three, there's four boxes. It's on Twitter, you've seen it. A lot of people have seen yeah, this on Twitter. Yeah. So you've got four boxes. You've got, um, you've got um, constant threat. You've got <laughs> um, like basically like being like not that critical. You've got energetically wasteful. And then you've got ineffective, ineffectual. So we're in effect with Crew and Wigan, but we're not near them. We're way out on our own. <laughs> so we're just horrendous, really, going forward. So, yeah, as we said, we've, we've had 17 um, shots per goal. Uh, That's awful. And our number of shots taken per match is really low as well. So not only yep. are we having a low number of shots per game, we're also having a lot of shots to score, which is, you can't really get any worse than that. Yeah, I mean, it's colour-coded, Ollie, and we're in the deepest deep red you can possibly be on any yeah. graph I've ever seen. I mean, it's pretty simple to see from this graph what's going on. It's better than some of the government graphs we've seen over the last few weeks, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, we probably share it again just as a reference to what we've talked about in the podcast tonight, Ollie. but have a look at it. I mean, it just sums up this season, ineffectual, and that covers the defence, that covers the attack, and that covers, unfortunately, Sam yeah. Ricketts as a Shrewsbury Town manager, ineffectual, and we need to we need to and move you know on, you mate. Love, we need to move I on. I love my goals the, uh, per game stats, so points and goals, yeah, we've now scored 0.66 recurring goals per game. <laughs> God We're getting alive. close to half a goal per game, which is just... <laughs> oh. Anyway, top oh, three. Let's move on. You go let's forward? try and be positive. Yeah, well, Daniels was clearly man of the match. Um, yeah. A bit of a bright light in a very, very dark game. Um, yeah, I want to see more of him. I want to see him starting more often in that role. I don't want to see Cummins playing outright. I want to see Daniels. He was much yeah. better than most people have played there this season. Yeah, if, if, um, unless Wally comes back. But yeah, Josh Daniels, for me, has got to, got to start... Um, and I'd like to see Daniels and, Bar- and Barnett start um, in a front three. Yep. yep. And I went for a dose second. As much as I was criticising that he drifted out of the game and, and maybe I was being overly harsh, I was so impressed with that first half. I think for a lad that's really sort of tr- still trying to make his way first 50 games in the Football League, he is getting there. And, and I do complain about the goals he scores, but I, I do think he's putting the effort in and actually one of our better players at, at most of the times I see him this season. So I gave him second place. And I, I gave Burgoyne third, Ollie. He's conceded five goals, but he made a load of good saves yeah, again. Yeah, I know. And he was frankly, actually in my top three before, but... <laughs> Um, I've taken him It's out. shocking, isn't it, yeah. to be honest with you? <laughs> he, he was in my top three, but yeah, I went for oh, Daniels high and then Norburn. Um, I thought I thought, well, Norburn was all right, as I said already. Um, I thought yeah, he put in a Norburn. decent shift, but yeah, it's it's hard um, picking players at the moment. Um, so yeah, so from from bad to worse, um, yeah, is you know, we are very critical of the manager because... You know, we want to see him to win, but he is an individual at the same. He's a, he's a man of a family, and yeah. you know, we don't want to see anyone suffering. But in other post-match, he's been quite aggressive and front foot. And in this game, his post-match, his head was down, um, yes. and he hardly looked up. And I did genuinely feel sorry for him watching this. Um, 
I, I, I felt like he must have thought, there's an outside chance someone can give me a phone call in a minute and I might get sacked. Hasn't happened. We're sitting here on Sunday night. Hasn't happened and I suspect it won't happen unless we lose to Burton or Cambridge. Those those will probably be the killer games like um, the Salford game for Askey. But, you know, he did have the look of a man that looked like he was he was on death row, didn't he, unfortunately? Yeah, he looked really yeah. tired. Um, and yeah, so, but, but he didn't help himself again in the press, in the post-match. So yeah, so his comments... So, um, yeah, individual errors cost us the game, and it's right to call players out because there were a lot of individual errors in this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there was something missing from this post-match, and we'll come to that at the end. But there's a, there's a quote here, Glenn, which is going to tickle you. And I know it's tickled you because I've seen you put it on Twitter. <laughs> tickle me, and, it's and outraged said, me. <laughs> Once they scored the third, it gave them the confidence to get back into it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, have you ever done such nonsense in your life? Yeah, and it's I think like, he means the opposite, doesn't he? He means he when they scored mean. the third, that gave them the impetus to kind of carry on and score goals. I, I, I've been being hard on him, so I'm happy to admit that he misspoke there. But if he didn't, that's possibly one of the stupidest things I've ever heard a football manager say. So I'm not going to say that he meant that because it is clearly clearly stupid. But it just made me laugh because it's it's quite funny to hear a football yeah. manager say that. But yeah, I think he probably misspoke. Yeah, he did. And then he said, yeah, basically it was a game that was there for the taking, which is fair. Posh weren't playing that well. And even their fans have said that. Um, But then for individual errors, we can't give him away cheap goals. And he said in between both boxes were very good, but unfortunately that's not where football games are decided. Um, And he said, yeah, the amount of errors is beyond anyone's control. I'm not quite sure. Um, And yeah, basically then Dunn challenges Sam Ricketts and says to him, you know, is this a challenge for you? How are you going to kind of come back from this? And how are you going to... How are you going to kind of react to this? And he didn't really answer the question. And for mm. me, there was one big thing missing from this this interview. A bit of, I'm responsible here, taking accountability was completely missing from this interview. Humility. A bit of humility, but taking responsibility for yeah. me is the, yeah. is the thing that's really lacking. Yeah, I would agree. I, I totally agree. And, and, you know, you're right about his body language, but, you know, it's his body language says something that his voice wasn't saying. Do you know what I mean? You know, just yeah. express that frustration and, and, and say you want to fight, you want to turn this football club around. You've been here enough now and you're disappointed with how things are going. Um, and, you know, it's not just continually individual errors. You can't just keep saying that. I mean, he, he said some things like, oh, I can't just keep coming out here and saying it's individual errors, but he keeps doing that. And he also said then in the message to the fans, something like, um, Danny said, what's your message to the fans? He said, we've got to stick together. And the unfortunate thing for him is that fans are sticking together and the fans are sticking together in a view that he should move on. And it's fairly prevalent across the fan base now. You know, you look at polls that have gone up over the weekend. You know, last week we were looking at sort of 70% rickets should go. I've seen a couple and they were all above 75% you know towards 80 percent and so yeah. you know there is a there is a unifyingness amongst oh, fans yeah. on Despite social media them, and yeah that's all we can judge it on at the moment but yeah i think fans are sticking together but it's not the way he wants us to yeah there's a very odd thing in the salad social where there's a guy who's a journalist for a sheffield oh, yeah, newspaper like <laughs> who said that the basically those us it kind of was calling us out saying that we're fickle I mean, um and saying the majority of the fans are with with the manager and i he's don't know how many games he's been watching i'm not sure if he's been watching many or if any um mm, but to okay. say and but to come out and say the fans um all want the manager that we wouldn't even say that and we've got polls that suggest there's a poll on facebook i did which has got nearly 88 percent fans want the manager to go and there's over 500 votes we how many you know ricketts has had 
69 games he's had in the league. He's had probably 70-odd in, in every competition. We've done a podcast for an hour, you know, hour and a half a lot this week at the moment, but we've done an hour's podcast where we sit and we reflect upon what we think about the football beyond what we put on social media, and it's considered, it's thoughtful. We only reached the point where we genuinely think it would be best for the football club for Sam Rick to move on last weekend. This hasn't been, like, no point last season did we say we should go. This The season close. before that, yeah, yeah, we got close, I agree, but at no point did we say it was, it was worth it because it was towards the end of the season and COVID, so that kind of maybe stopped us saying it last season when maybe it, it was almost on the verge of it. But it was only last week where we said it. I don't think that this is a John Askey hounding a manager out after 16 games. This is a genuine build-up of frustration across two years of football that is not taking us forward, is going backwards, and is dangerously close to making us look like we're going to get relegated. We are just about to go into another lockdown, and we are second bottom of the Football League. We're either going to get this season voided, or we're going to have to keep playing on until maybe it gets cancelled later on, and we might get relegated like Tranmere did. And, you know, we need to get out of this trouble as soon as possible. And and if we're going to keep Sam Ricketts in charge, I just I don't personally see it. So, um, so that's a great link, not- Lynn, to a question we've got from Sean Evans. So, you know, would you go back to the 3-5-2 the or 3-4-3 three, three, or would you do something else? If I was Sam Ricketts, yeah. I'd give up. I mean, it's, I'd give up on what we're trying to do here and go back to playing five at the back, I think, if I was him, just because is a chance that it can just get us a bit more solid and get the points to get us out of trouble. Do I think he'll do it? No, I, I think we're, that should We're going to score the goals if we go to that formation. <laughs> no, we're not going to score goals in either of these formations, no. Ollie. It just doesn't happen, does it? I mean, no. does would it really make much difference? I don't know. It'd probably make us harder to break down, but, you know, it, it's marginal. And I don't think he'll do it. He's, but if he, we did that, we'd end up losing out in other areas. So we'd be, yes. we'd be able to be dominated in the flank. So for me, I'd go four four two diamond, play mm, Carp, and Cummings up front. Then that formation, you don't concede the, 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 the centre ground. Yes, your central midfielders do need to protect the full-backs, and then, but then we've got so many central midfielders. Why would we not play that formation? Um, so you could play Walker, Sitin, Norburn, um, Zambarek, and High. Um, you could maybe even play Josh Daniels as a ten or something. I don't know. But yeah, it, it's mm. it, when, when, when you when you don't when you when you lose four games in a row, you start looking for change, don't you? The, the stupidest thing about all of this is like towards the end of the COVID situation last year, he bought in McElhaney, he played a genuine number 10 and we looked probably as entertaining during those four or five games at the end of that season. The, the results weren't brilliant still, but there was a little bit to cling on to, wasn't there? Which is what stopped a lot of people saying he should get sacked over the summer. And his failure to bring in a decent attacking number 10 in this season means he can't do that this year. And, and another bit of terrible squad building for me, to be honest with you. And um, yeah, and so quite why we didn't try to do that this season, I don't know, but there we go. I don't know. I, I, it's an interesting question from Sean, what he'll do. Uh, my, my view is that he took ages to change it tactically last season when it wasn't working and he'll probably spend another 10, 15 games before he gives up on this. The interesting point about the tactics, and we get the sense that this is a team that's really drilled, he keeps yeah. bringing in players with like one training session and throwing them into the team. Yeah. So yeah, same thing happened with Dan, Daniel Zampio. So mm. I think we're just in desperation panic mode. Um, so... I think that's uh, did, you, did you see what I said, Ollie? Now we're going back into lockdown. There was loads of panic buying in Shrewsbury and other places there, wasn't there? You know, people get into the supermarket for this month lockdown and make sure they've got all their goods in there. And you've got to give credit to Sam Ricketts about one thing. He started his panic shopping two weeks early and he's got <laughs> everything he needed already. So there we go. He's uh, he's ahead of the game. But um, yeah, I think we better just leave it there, Ollie, because it's, it's pretty bad. And um, we'll come to talk about the next game in a minute. But we're just going to cover Brian's interview that he did on um, Friday night because there was some actually, unfortunately, eye-wateringly worrying things in that as well, Ollie. So we'll get to that. On the turn, it's Bevan now who takes over. Bevan shoots. Ball ricocheting around. Has it been turned in? Has Smith made the save? It's been given, has it? Goal has been given. Wickham at level. Ben Smith fully fished it 
congratulations. Should be one, Wickham one. So on Friday night, yeah, we had an interview from Brian. A um, bit of a, a salop update, really. Um, we're it was good to see, section. wasn't it? It's good to good good for Brian to come out. I'm sure he's been obviously been very very busy, so it's good for him to come out and cover a few topics because there's plenty of things in this in this interview, isn't there? <sighs> There is, there is, to be fair. I mean, I sent a list of things just to the, to the media guys because I've been helping them do some stats saying, look, it'd be interesting to get a bit of a response on some of these issues at the moment because we see what's going on on social media. We kind of, you know, we use it as part of the podcast and we kind of feel like we've got a bit of an idea of some of the questions people are asking. Anyway, all the questions I sent them and they asked are almost in exactly the same order, which I thought was quite funny. Um, but uh, yeah, it was good for Brian to do it and credit to the club for doing it. They were going to do it last week, um, talking to the media lads there, but I think because of everything going on, they managed to find a bit of time with Brian and, and it was good to get out before the game, really. So, some some really good updates from Brian, um, but some some worrying things for me reading it and seeing his body language. To be honest with you, so yeah, I'll go through the bits as they go, and, and you can kind of chip in. But the first thing they started with was obviously the number one problem for uh, Shrewsbury Football Club at the moment, and for us as fans, fans getting back into the stadium. And Brian was honest enough to say they have not made a lot of progress, unfortunately, and and pointed out an, an interesting one for me. I don't know how aware of this you were, but he pointed out that um, Shrewsbury Theatre is opened back up now in town. People are going there and watching things indoors, you know, socially distanced, and you know we're not allowed to reopen. I, I didn't realise she was yeah. was open. That, that's an absolute farce, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's mad. There's, um, my wife sent me something from uh, the French um, government showing yeah. how how um, COVID um, inside is a lot more dangerous. So it's just bizarre. <laughs> Mental. So he was very frustrated, um, kept using the word frustrating, basically at one point he said the government don't get it, which I think most people would agree with at the moment, um, and he was down about it to be fair, because they put so much work into that trial, and obviously go back and listen to that podcast we did with Lawrence Ellaby, it's a really good idea of how much work went into it, um, but obviously since then, this was Friday, we've obviously gone into this new lockdown, so anyone going back to stadiums, that ain't going to be happening anytime soon, Ollie, is it? No, no, it certainly nope, won't. Nope. And obviously, in terms of getting people back, then he was asked about you know streaming the games in the in the um, in the bar at the Sovereign Club. Um, a few fans have been asking about that, and he described that as being mental torture. Um, couldn't couldn't understand why that would be allowed at other clubs, but not you know outdoors. Um, then quoted, "It's driving me insane." Um, but then, to be fair, went on to say that they can only get fourteen in the Sovereign Lounge with social distancing, and it would be a lost leader. They wouldn't make any yeah, money. So I think that's. Sense, uh, no, that's that's dead in the water. It's an extra complication for as well for the club trying to keep everyone yeah. safe and healthy. He appreciated that it would have helped with people's mental health, and I think that the club are probably going to start to look at what they can do to but get fans to stay in contact with each other. Yeah. Then you just want to pull the curtain back. <laughs> well, he said that. That's why he said it's like mental torture. Yeah. Like sitting somewhere where you can't actually see stuff. He said you can hear people shouting outside, but you're watching it on a stream 20 seconds later. It's a bit of an odd one. But yeah, that, that seems like it's dead in the water. Um, Wall of Fame, bit of an update on that. Um, spoke to the sign writer recently, gave all the 2,700 names onto the, the blue and amber panels. Interesting that he didn't just add season ticket holders' names to it. He also added the names of people that didn't have a refund on those um, match tickets towards the end of the season, you know, single match tickets, which I think is really good. Again, a, a real good acknowledgement of our fans and what they did um, apparently they're at the ground now and they're ready to be installed so yeah it'll be interesting to see what they look like I think Matt and the media team designed them and, and he's been really good with his design work hasn't he with the sort of branding of the club this season with the, the diamonds and some of the work he's done so I'm, I'm sure they'll look brilliant yep no definitely yeah it'd be nice to see yep. that and it's a nice recognition for the for the, for the fans that that yeah contribute a bit like the safe standing yep 
And he talked a bit about the transfer window, Ollie, um, which we obviously talked a lot about, described it as being more onerous, um, but did say that he quite liked the fact that it had allowed us to bring in players quite late on in the season and save some money. So there we go. He's obviously got a, an eye on the bottom line. Um, and then, to be honest with you, we got a bit distracted and started talking about injuries to all the new players um, and how many of them were injured, and, and it kind of lost a bit of its focus, that chat. So we'll move on from that one. Um, one of the things we talked about last week, I think, Ollie, was, was and it certainly got a fair few fans quite annoyed, is these early kickoff times. Obviously, we, we didn't mention that one of the games kicked off at six o'clock, um, and I think the, the Burton game's kicking off at six o'clock as well, isn't it? Which is very early, considering everybody bought their season tickets on the understanding that they'd be free to watch games at 7.45 on a Tuesday. So he admitted that the club had had a lot of emails about it, Ollie, um, and they do need to consider it more um, and think about how it's affecting fans. Um, reason's pretty obvious. It's for recovery of players. Um, and I, I, I understand he's saying that, but not every football club is kicking off early, Ollie. So, you know, maybe no. we're just trying to steal an advantage. So I'm not, I'm not sure I really get that idea. I think it does make get... sense if you're going away, um, yeah. you know, if you're playing Plymouth away or from up from our location playing, you know, yeah. uh, you know, a good drive. Um, but yeah, Burns, Burns, Burns 45 really... minutes away, Ollie. Yeah, Burns not the one <laughs> to do it. But there's still, you know, marginal gains and all that. But for me, so he's... As someone who doesn't have kids, for me, six is a bit of a rush to try and get tea ready. 6.30 or 6.45, I think, would be perfect. Um, mm. It does get the all game a bit, all finished a bit earlier. Um, but I appreciate for those who are, you know, got to drive home from work, got kids when they yeah. come home, all that kind of stuff is a bit of a Anyone challenge. with a commute, it's a, it's a nightmare. And I say, for me, having kids, it's a bit of a pain in the arse as well, to be honest with you. And it, it just takes you out of the family. And that's not great with people, no. you know, talking about mental health and things. I got the vibe from Byron that they probably would look at it and they yeah. wouldn't try to do it every game this season. I, I get the vibe that they probably will do it again because he was talking about having reciprocal arrangements with other clubs. So yeah. I suspect the ones we've already done it for, it'll be for the away game as well. But um, it, the only argument he gets that I didn't agree with is you saying oh, well even Europa League games are kicking off really early I mean that doesn't wash you know no one bought yeah. season tickets for Europa League games they're just one-off tickets if, if you knew the game was kicking off at six o'clock you'd, you'd, you'd be fine you'd, you'd buy a ticket for it but it's it's the fact that season ticket holders you know arrange their life around those certain kickoff times and we're already getting shortchanged on these streams to be honest with you particularly if you're in a family where you've got one stream you know three streams coming but you're only going to watch one of them with, with your family you know you you could be paying upwards of 20 30 quid for your stream so if they're not at the time you're expecting it, it it's not great so I'm hoping the club do announce they're going to try and avoid that as much as possible. Yeah. And I got the vibe they would. Yeah, but, um, but the but good that, thing about the club is they do listen. Yeah, yeah. This is what this is all about. And, and Brian is he clearly, he said on a couple of these things, I've had emails, you know, I'm understanding it or I've helped people. And that's the one thing you should get across from this for anyone that still hasn't got the vibe is that Brian is a very, very proactive CEO. And if you email him, he will address your issues. He will try to help you or he'll give you a very, very good justification as to why something can't be done. And, you know, I don't think any fan in this fan base should be afraid to email him. And, and I think he would appreciate that message getting put out there, wouldn't yeah. he? So um, then he moved on to iFollow. And again, did point out he'd had a lot of emails about this. Um he, he was talking about one of the big issues being, and, and we picked up on this a little bit, that some people with season tickets getting their codes were putting it into the to the iFollow and they were still getting charged £10, which yeah. hasn't happened well, to me, but what a rip-off. I did it. It happened to me. So when you oh, do right. it, when you do it, <laughs> the first time I did it, I just put my code in and it went through. And then the second time I did it, you have to use a credit card. So then I went to put my code in and I accidentally pressed use this card, then I just brought it. <laughs> so oh, yeah, like, mug. Well, that's kind of your own fault, if you well, ask it, me. It kind of is, but... <laughs> But yeah, it's kind of like if you, I can see how it's you're done. not confirming yeah. it. You're just you're saying use this card, and then you confirm at the bottom. 
So it's a bit confusing, um, but yeah, mm, not really. I, if I get a refund or not, whatever, I don't really mind. But yeah, yeah, Brian said he'd refunded quite a few people on it, so that's good. Um, but he said that he didn't go to the game, the opening day, um, away from home, and he watched the iFollow stream where it went to the Sunderland game by accident. Yeah. So clearly, <laughs> clearly, he's aware of some of the things. But he was of the view that he thinks it's settling down, which it I can probably get on board with. Yeah. And um, and asked all fans to just email if there are any issues. Um, and, and you can't really ask for more than that from the football club. Um, but then the next thing we moved on to was about iFollow. was move into this new system. So for Burton, we still got our codes for the iFollow yep. game for season ticket holders. But from then on, you're going to just get access to it through your email, which he was pretty clearly quite worried about working because he said it's just about got to the point where everyone knows what they're doing with the codes. And now we'll move to a new system. And it's just going to open up a whole new raft of things where someone's email address isn't aligned or there's a spelling mistake in the email address and you haven't got access. And, you know, if you've got a code, you can just put it in there or get another code quickly. With this issue, he thinks, I, I think it looked like it's going to be harder to solve. So be much better. Might be if it works, but I got the vibe he's not convinced it will, Ollie. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And then there was the other question about iFollow, which is, are these iFollow codes free or not? And he didn't really answer that. And clearly they're not free. Um, but, they, you know, they, they are your 123rd of your season ticket. You're paying £13 for these iFollow codes, um, which, you know, in reality, you can buy one for £10. So our season ticket holders being shortchanged. Bit of a tricky one. Um, and then, yeah, that was it. And then it... <laughs> That was it on iPhone, but then it moved on to some really tricky things for the football club. Redundancies and season ticket um, refunds. And this is a couple of things we need to talk about. So redundancies is difficult for this football club, isn't it? We've we've looked at other clubs who months ago, even during furlough, were letting people go. And Shrewsbury Town, to their credit, have paid everybody through furlough, which ended at the end of October, as of Friday. That was what he knew at that point in time. And to be fair to Brian, his body language was was easy to read. It's it, He said it had been a very difficult couple of weeks. Um, you know, at the end of furlough, Shrewsbury Town have had to look at every department at the football club and look how it can be streamlined. Um, some staff have had to move on, and he described some of these staff as loyal staff, staff who'd worked for a long time. And he, he came across and said he was heartbroken, which is fair enough, because it is it's so hard to let these people go at this point in time, isn't it? Um, and, you know, some of these guys like Simon in the club shop have worked for us for years. And it is, it's really sad that football's reached this point without a bailout, that good, well-run clubs like Shrewsbury Town are having to let staff go. And that is a massive indictment on the problems football have got at the moment. Yeah, it's really sad on, on an individual level, people losing their jobs. Um, and it is really Terrible. worrying, obviously, that there's no income coming into the club. So mm. um, it's, yeah, it's obviously we've seen it on a more high profile level with Arsenal. And it's a yep. really tricky thing because you need to kind of invest in your team and you, because you are playing in a competitive environment. But then making people redundant is just really sad. Um, and yeah, it's not a nice topic to have to, to no. go through. Um, I think it just just shows just how important it is to get fans back in stadiums because exactly. then, you know it's, it's safe. We're in an open air environment. The season ticket holders will get some value for their money, and then those who want to buy tickets can. Um, and mm. then just football is desperate, 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 desperate to get fans back in and get some income coming in for for the um, football league clubs because as you say, you know the MPs all, who don't really know anything about football and um, you can kind of understand it in some way. They think about football and all this money coming from TV, but clearly you know. You know, our level um, TV money is not is is not is not our biggest income. Um, mm. So very yeah, sad. It's terrible, very sad. And he, you know, he said he gave an example that you know you look at something like the um, the um, hospitality team where they've all been paid, you know, full-time members of staff through the, through this this period, and now furlough's over. There are not going to be any events, you know, regardless of football or not. There are no hospitality events coming forward, and, and that's a good example of where it sounds to me like there's been some significant streamlining. Um, 
And the harshest thing is that as soon as he announced this on Friday, obviously, first yeah. of November, we're now having a lockdown another month and actually furloughs continuing. So I don't know whether he'll be able to go back to some of these staff and say, look, we can actually, you know, get Maybe. the government to pay you another month's wages. I'd, I'd hope that had happened. I did that on for five sure lives. The happen. first time there was a lockdown, yeah. you could go back and re employ someone if you just made them. So maybe. Hopefully. So at least another month's pay before they have to do it again. Yeah. That's that's probably fair enough, I guess. But um, yeah, really sad. And then it, it just came on to this last bit then, really, which was about finances and, and season ticket refunds. And this, to me, was the most eye-watering bit because Brian started this section by saying, we are in the worst position ever. Um, obviously, in the time he's been here, I suspect he's talking about, but probably for a long time in terms of financial. He set out, we've had no income for seven months other than the loan that we've got to repay back and a central EFL funds, which probably didn't go that far, on, on top of season ticket money, obviously. Um, and... He'd ha- they'd had some payments that they were supposed to do. I think he was talking about pay- 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 or you know tax things that were deferred over the whole of the, the original yeah. furlough period. They've now got to pay that back. So we've clearly now got that as an expense. Yeah, it's just kicking the can down the road, isn't it? Yep. And his exact words were, the last thing we want to do now is refund half a million to £750,000 worth of season ticket money. Said they're doing what other clubs are doing, giving iFollow codes, which isn't true. You know, Accrington announced refunds today, so some clubs are doing it. Newcastle... Um, where the codes only cost fans, you know, it seemed to go to 230 quid when they paid 315 um, and said he would sort anyone out that wanted a refund. And so far they have sorted some out. But he said he was severely concerned about football finances general, which had come across from his previous interviews. But he said he was now worrying about Shrewsbury Town's finances going forward. Um, but completely aware season ticket holders are not getting value for money and basically asked fans for their help and said if you could at least leave your money with us and you're not needing it back, you are helping this football club. But if you really want a refund, we can look at it. So... The option's obviously there to fans, and if furlough continues all through this winter and people lose their jobs, I don't blame them for asking for their money back. But a significant portion of Town fans asking for their money back is going to ruin this club, and we are one of the most well-run clubs around, and that is a huge problem. It opens up questions about why we've expanded our squad a little bit, I guess, but they're two different questions, aren't they? You know, There's a playing budget and and a football club budget, and they are clearly, from his body language, incredibly stretched, and he looks very stressed about it. Yeah, and you know we had Kieran Maguire on from the Price Price yep. Football, didn't we? And I did that special on finance, and when we have Anton, and you know we always get named with with Burton and Accrington in terms of running yep. a, a good ship. And if if we're in trouble, God, imagine what um, some other clubs are like. They must yeah, be horrendous, and yeah, football is on a knife edge at the moment. So. Yeah, it's um, it's not a lot. This weekend um, wasn't the best, was it? Shrewsbury Town got beat five one, and the club country went into lockdown. Mm, it wasn't good, and it is. We've covered that because they are some very key points to us as Shrewsbury Town fans. You know, as much as on 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 field stuff at the moment, to be honest with you, and it does make you wonder financially whether we can afford to sack a manager. That was another thing that came across from me. But um, yeah, it's worth a listen back to that interview on Friday. It was it was out late on a Friday night, so a lot of people might have missed it. But go and look at the club website and go and listen to it back if you're you know keen on getting a bit more information yeah, on what we'll we followed there because. Yeah, it was very good. Um, and, and that was it really on that interview. I suppose the, the only thing to follow off really is predictions, Ollie. And we both got it right last week. We both were pretty sure she would lose at Peterborough. Um, I went 3-0, you went 3-1, but <laughs> we were a bit off. Maybe a few more goals, obviously. Um, so we get a point each in the competition. Um, and then this week, yeah, two, what I would say are must-win games, Ollie, or at least win one of them, I suppose. Um, Burton at home, who were not having a great season, and then away to Cambridge in the Cup, where we haven't won since the 1970s. So that's not the greatest. Um it looks like a tough week, uh, still, Ollie, because of how we are. Um, but I don't know. How do you see this week going? Terrible. <laughs> oh, is that it? Just terrible. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, uh, do you want to put any skin on the bones? Um, I think. I think Tuesday night's going to be. It's either going Tuesday night is either going to be one of the worst football games we've ever seen, 
or it's going to be the most comical football game we ever see where it's going to end up like six <laughs> all or something. Mm. You think I've, they'll go for it, Burton, do you? I've got... Well, they scored scored twice as many goals as we have. Oh, God. Um, they scored 12 goals. Um, we scored six. So it's going to be two teams in low confidence. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe a Burton going to be fitter than us? Are they going to recover better? Um, are we going to rotate? I don't know, Glenn. It's going to be... It's going to be an interesting game. I say that much. We're probably going to lose. I just, I just can't see us winning. Um, and but we were going to predict the Cambridge game, aren't we? So yeah, on Burton, I can see it being a really boring game, Holly, where we miss yeah. a good chance early on, concede, and then score late on and draw one. What, are they going to score on the counter attack? <laughs> you reckon? Yeah, I think they might. Yeah, after after Pierre hits the bar with a header from a corner. Um, but yeah, the hardest game maybe this week is the playing the League Two team, Cambridge, because they've started like a rocket this season. They're second in the league. Um, played 10 games, got 20 points. Um, we can and, only dream yeah. of that. Oh, God, honestly, yeah. And they've won three of their last five, um, lost one, drawn one, scored 22 goals, the most amount of goals scored in the entire League Two, um, and they have only conceded seven, which is um, only worse, uh, only be- beaten by Salford, who've conceded six. So they're obviously very tight at the back, and they score a lot of goals, and they're the sort of team that I fully expect us to lose to in the FA Cup, Ollie. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tough one. This, um, but I think somehow draw. I think you know we always seem to we always seem to draw in the FA Cup, and and it's not like we need extra games. So I actually think we're going to draw this game. Draw one one or something away from yeah. what you're going for. Yeah, one all draw. I was going to go for two, but that's just stupid. Um, so I was going for one all. I'd love to have your optimism, Ollie. They've only lost two games in the league all season. I, I can see this being one of those, you know, moments for Cambridge to kind of show they're having a good season, beat a League One team, and be up on on the up and up. And we're in such bad form. Um, even if we beat Burton, I'm not sure that really overly improves everyone's morale. Um, so I'm going to go for Cambridge to beat us. Uh, it'll be close. But I'll go for us to lose two one, Ollie. Okay. Cool. Great. Out the FA Cup and just another 40, what, 37 league games to look forward to, Ollie. Yay. Oh, man. This week's been hard. This has been a hard week to be a Shrewsbury Town fan. I hate it. I want it to turn around. I hope this is the week it does. But, man, it's 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 tough, isn't it, mate? It is really tough. So, yeah, we've got Burton, Burton next. And then we've got Cambridge in the FA Cup, which yeah, yeah. is going to be, a, as you say, it's going to be really a tough one. Um, and then Make after break. that, fixtures, I think, yeah, fixtures. So the rest of November... Then we've got Crew are doing all right. Swindon, that's going to be a tough one. Then we've got Ipswich are flying high. MK God. Dons. And then in December, we've got Stanley at home, Charlton at home, then Hull, then Lincoln, oh. then Sunderland, then Doncaster. <laughs> like, they're tough like, honestly, games Honestly, we've had a lot of easy games so far yeah, this season. That's the worst thing. Yeah. We've totally so that run it. of that oh, run of Stanley, Stanley who, are, who are mid-table, then Charlton, Hull, Lincoln and Sunderland... And Doncaster, that's like that's like most of the top seven. Um, it's, not, it's not the sort of run a, man, a new manager would really fancy, is it? To be honest with you, bloody hell! Oh, mate, I don't know where we're going here. What are we going to do? Do you, I'll ask you one last question for this podcast, Ollie? Do you think when we sit down to record this podcast next Sunday, and we may well record something in between, do you think Sam Ricketts will be Shrewsbury manager when we sit here next Sunday? I think he will be next Sunday, but I think the club will will screw us over and, and announce something like twelve hours after we release the pod. <laughs> I'm going to say no. I think we'll lose to Burton and I think he'll be gone after yeah, that. I, I think, don't think in I don't terms think, of days, I don't think it makes sense, that. doesn't it? So we've got so we have mm. a game on Saturday, we've got Sunday, Monday, and then a game. But if we, if we, we, we do, if we do let him go on Tuesday um, or even Wednesday, we have Wednesday, um, Saturday, but it's just so much, so little time um, to get mm. things sorted. So I know the club have always done things in a very proper manner in terms of yeah. sacking a the manager, then starting looking. 
Um, I think we need to follow a kind of Nottingham Forest style and get ready. Mm. I'll dig out the Paul Hurst Barmy Army intro for next week anyway, Ollie, and I'm sure that'll be fine. But um, we appreciate everyone. It's been yeah, another it's been mammoth one. We're hoping long, long we're part. hoping we'll get beyond you know below an hour and a half again at some point soon. But let's be honest, these last two weeks have given us so much to chew over. And Brian's interview and football, COVID, lockdown, it is absolutely mad at the moment to be a town fan. And yeah, let's hope this is the Nadir, Ollie. That's what I'm thinking. So yeah, we will catch you all next Sunday, and we'll see where we stand then. Cool. Cheers, guys. Oh!